Well, praise the Lord, everybody. This is Pastor Mark A. Stroud, and I thank you so much for joining me for this special edition of Kingdom Rock Radio. On today's broadcast, I want to bring you a special series of messages entitled Marriage Enrichment by my wife, Pastor Sumiko Stroud. In this series, you're going to discover how to be a godly spouse, and you're really going to be blessed. Now, don't forget to go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can download this entire series and share it with a friend. All right, without any further ado, here comes this series entitled Marriage Enrichment. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to our Marriage Enrichment class. Uh, number one. And today's focus is going to be on building a strong foundation. Uh, I know some of us have been married for a little while. And when you talk about foundation, you typically think of what's happening at the very beginning uh, of a project or of um, a relationship. Uh, but we can always, it's always good for us, even those that have been married for a little bit, to do some foundation checks to make sure there are no cracks in uh, our foundation to deal with those things that may be creeping in, causing some damage. So um, we just want to do that this morning. So we're going to talk about foundation. And when we look at the word foundation, our definition, you can go ahead and advance to the next one for me. We have that definition on there. Good morning, you all. Come on in and have a seat. Um, when we look at building a solid foundation, uh, you go ahead and advance to the next one for me. The definition of the word foundation is the lowest load-bearing part of a building, typically below ground level. So that's what we're looking at, the load-bearing part of our relationship. And we want to make sure that our foundation is sturdy and solid because it doesn't matter how pretty uh, the building is that you build, how wonderful the relationship looks on the outside, how perfect the two people look together, if their foundation is not solid, if it is not strong, then that relationship is not going to last. And we know that when relationships don't last, uh, when they fail, there are a lot of people hurt in the process. If there are children present, if they're not children present, there is a ripple effect. Uh, there are a lot of people that are injured. So our um, scripture that we're going to be looking at today, we're going to go from Genesis chapter 2. Genesis 2, and we're going to be going uh, verses 18 through 25, and we're reading from the King James Version of the Bible, and there's going to be a little bit of New Living Translation that we will throw in there um, as we go. But Genesis chapter 2, beginning with verse 18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet uh, for him. And a New Living Translation, instead of help me, has that as a helper who is just right for him. And that is so important that your helper be just right for you. Because if they're not just right for you, they're not much of a helper, right? They can be more of a hindrance. Uh, verse 19, <clears throat> And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. <clears throat> 
excuse me, and Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found an helpmeet, uh, a no helper just right for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Therefore shall a man, uh, oh, okay, naked and not ashamed. So we're going to go and look at our emphasis is going to be on verse 24. And what we're going to look at from verse 24 are the four pillars of our foundation. So if you think most of the time you think of foundation, you think of a square, rectangular kind of thing. We think of a building. We're going to look at these four corners and they're going to be our pillars uh, for our good, solid foundation for our relationships, our laws uh, upon which our marriages are built on. And when either one of these are compromised, then that's going to lead to some cracks in our foundation, which is not good for our relationship. So we're going to, let me raise some of this up here. So we're going to look at pillar number one. When the word of God says in verse 24, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother. So our first pillar has to do with priority. Okay. We're leaving, leaving father and mother, which for most of us, now we don't have as many intact, so to speak, families as what historically we would have had. But historically, you, you would grow up in a home with your father and with your mother, and that is the first relationship your foundation uh, as a child, the most, that is your most important relationship in your life until you, you know, meet and marry uh, your spouse. So the law of priority tells us that it says in verse 24, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother. You are leaving what has been the most important relationship of, of your life until that point you are leaving them uh, to connect with your spouse. And so what that is telling us is that your marriage has to take priority. It has to be number one. Your spouse has to take first position of all of your relationships. They don't come after your kids. They don't come after your job. They don't come after your parents, your siblings. No other relationship. Your best friend, we've been best friends, running buddies since we were five years old. When you decide to get married, your spouse has to take first position of all of your natural relationships. There is only one relationship that takes any precedence above that of your spouse. And what relationship is that? You're one with God. Because without our personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we are of no good to anyone. 
not even to ourselves. So that is the only relationship. Now don't get that confused with your connection to your local church. That is not the same thing. Our personal relationship is the time that we spend in prayer and in study and in fellowship with God. It is not, I got to go to church and I'm putting my church ahead of my spouse because the, you know, because the preacher said that you're supposed to put God first. We do put God first, but that's not putting church first. So let's not get that confused. So we put our personal relationship with the Lord first, and then the very next uh, and the uh, person or very next relationship is going to be that with our spouse. And among our natural relationships, our, sp our spouse has to take first position. Now, sometimes when children come along, uh, we tend to get that a little bit mixed up. And you'll hear people say, my children are my life. That's not good for you, and it's definitely not good for your children. It's too much pressure on them because children are your temporary assignment. At some point, they need to move away from you and start their own life and do their own thing. Uh, so they are only there for you temporarily, for you to nurture, for you to teach, for you to train, for you to prepare, for them to go out into the world and have their own lives. Now, when we put our children ahead of our spouse, uh, which can be a common thing, it is a very common mistake uh, for people to do because of course when you have children you got your little helpless babies and you think well no nothing comes ahead of them but if you don't continue to nurture um, your marriage uh, while you are nurturing and training your children what you'll find out is when your children need you less and you get ready to reconnect with your spouse you will have grown your separate ways and that's when you get people have the empty nest syndrome when the kids are gone they find out they have nothing in common well i don't know of any living thing that you can neglect for years and expect it to still be alive do you all know of anything that you can neglect no. And a relationship is a living thing. You are growing as a person. You are changing as an individual. And if you don't pay attention to your union, to your spouse, and grow your relationship along with you, you will find that you have both, you will look back and you won't recognize each other. Because we, as we go through life, we are continuing to grow and to change. We're being shaped by our experiences. We're being shaped by the, those people that are around us. And if we don't do that along with our spouse, we will become different people. And you'll be, you're not the man I married. And he's looking at you, you're not the woman I married. Well, of course not. Uh, time has changed us. Uh, so we have to make an attempt to make that, undergo those changes together, to keep each other involved, to keep each other connected. Marriage takes work. And unfortunately, most people, or not, I'm not going to say most people, I'm saying what's customary is that people will put more effort into finding a spouse uh, than they will into being a spouse. And they will put more effort into getting married, more resources into getting married, than they will put into being married. And we can't do that. We can't make that mistake. You can't say, oh, well, I've already found her now, or I found him now, and we've had this elaborate wedding ceremony, and that's the end of it. No, that's only the beginning. You still have to nurture your relationship. You still have to have marriage checkups. Uh, you still have to take care of your relationship. So our first 
law that we want to make sure that we don't neglect is priority. Make sure that we have our spouse in first position. Now, if when you're listening to this or you're thinking about this, you think, oh, I've slipped in that. I have put other people ahead of my spouse or I've put my job or I've put my education or I've put my hobbies or whatever, then you need to correct that. And it may not be easy at first, but it is necessary. You don't just get to skip over any. You may have to go back and do a little repenting uh, to the Lord and to your spouse and say, look, I realize I put all these things ahead of you or I put all of these people uh, ahead of you and I want to get that right. And so we have to work together to do that. Another note today while we're going through and learning, sometimes what we will try to do is when we're hearing information say, oh, that's good for so-and-so. We're not going to do that today. Everybody's going to listen for themselves for where we are falling short for some areas that we can fix in ourselves and we'll let them take care of themselves, right? So we're just going to focus on ourselves today. The second pillar or law is the law of pursuit. And in that, in verse 24, we leave his father and mother, that's priority, our spouse is going to take first position, and cleave unto his wife. So we're going to leave up here, got to leave these people, and cleave, that means we're going to join, going to join to our spouse. And we're going to become as one. We're joining uh, to them and realize that, of course, it is more than, you know, that, that wonderful feeling that you get when you fall in love. Sometimes that leaves. And if you were just hooked on that feeling, as the song says, when difficult times come, then you're going to be like, oh, well, I'm not in love with you anymore. Because uh, you, know, you can be quick to make that that judgment call and say, well, I don't feel it, so it must not be there. Love is a choice. And every day that you wake up, you can choose to love your spouse uh, as, as the word tells us to agape love, how agape love is. It is, doesn't hold records of wrongs. Uh, it's not, you know, this sometimey wishy-washy thing. Just it, then it's not based on how they look or how they're behaving that day. But you have to choose that I am going to love my spouse today and, you know, know what that means and what that looks like. It is a choice. And you have to choose to do that. You also have to woo your spouse every day. Every day is an opportunity for you to show them that of all the people in the world, I chose you ever how many years ago that was, and I'm still choosing you today. So you don't get to do nice things today and then think that's going to hold you for the next two or three weeks. Nope. Every morning that you get up, think about all the things that we do every day. You get up. Every morning you wake up and you don't say, well, I woke up yesterday. I'm not going to wake up today. That doesn't make any sense. You wake up, you get out of bed, you, you take a shower or whatever, you get dressed every day. You don't say, well, I got dressed yesterday. I'm not going to get dressed today. You eat, you ate yesterday. You're going to eat today. You breathe yesterday. You're going to breathe today. Every day is a new thing unto itself. And every day you choose to 
pursue your spouse with that same vigor that you use when you were trying to get them, you need to do to keep them because they have options, right? <laughs> we all have options and we can choose that, you know, today I think I've been married long enough. Let me see what else is out there. I wouldn't recommend that. That is not a godly perspective, but that is the way of the world. And there are some people that are only attracted to people that wear a wedding ring. And you will become the most handsome man in the world when they see you treating your wife well. And they will pursue you because you are married. And so you have to choose, nope, I have already, this is the person, this is my um, helper that is just right. Remember the Lord said he, that Adam, that he looked and there was no helper just right for Adam. So this is your spouse. This is the person that you say that God has given you. Well, this is the person that is just right for you. That means that when the Lord looked at Adam, he looked at his past, he looked at his present, he looked at his future. He knew all of the experience that Adam was going to go through. He knew the purpose that he had given Adam, the job that he was going to have to do. And he looked at him and he said, okay, he's going to need a particular kind of woman that can be for him the kind of help that he needs. And from that, he created Eve and brought her to Adam. Isn't that nice that Adam didn't even have to go out looking for her. He was just about his business doing what God had called him to do, naming the animals, tending to the garden, and the father brought him the help that he needed. Some of our troubles are when we just go looking instead of doing what it is God has called us to do and letting him bring those people to us that we need. And so when we have, you know, we, we've gotten married, we're saying, okay, Lord, this is a person that is just right for me. Now there are going to be opportunities for other people that may look right. They may smell right. They may act right, but you've got to know that the spouse that you have is just right for you. And the thing, the reason we have to entrust that to God is I don't know what's going to happen in my future. I'm not even sure about some things that happened in my past that I haven't dealt with. All I kind of know about is my right now. And depending on when you ask me, I may be a little iffy on some of that. And so how am I supposed to know who's going to be the best fit for me. I don't have that information. I can't possibly make that judgment call. But the Lord can because in one instance, he can see all the whole range of Samikos from beginning to end and all of the experiences she's going to have and all of the wacky changes that she's going to go through. And he can see that and he can see Mark and he can see all of the things that he's going to experience and all the wacky changes that he's going to go through and say, okay, this is the kind of help he's going to need. And he can put me in his life, which he did, brought me to him <laughs> as he was at work doing his job, brought me to him and says, look, this person right here, this is the helper that is just right for you. For every age and every stage of your life, I'm going to put into her what you will need when you come into those situations, when you have those experiences. She's going to have what you need. She's going to be just right for you. Now, and the Lord can do that. And then he's going to say, now it's up to you 
to keep her. I'll bring her to you, but it's up to you to make it work from there. I can help you, but there's some things that we have to do. And sometimes we just depend on the Lord to do everything, don't we? Unless he's not doing exactly what we want and then we get busy doing it all and don't let him do anything. But so he has brought that person into your life. Now it's up to you to pursue them. It's up to you to make a daily decision that I am going to woo my spouse. And you know how to do that. Obviously, if you have gotten them to agree to marry you, you know what to do. You know, so we have to pursue. And that is a daily thing that we are going to do. We're going to pursue um, our spouse. Our next pillar uh, is a law of possession. And I know you think, possession, what? Don't nobody own me? <laughs> no, the law of possession. They shall be one flesh. And you know, there's the beautiful songs, you are flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. And you know, we say it in the marriage ceremony and we say all of that. Uh, but what does that mean? Marriage is about sharing a life. We are building a life together. There's no dominance. There's not one person that's running everything. Now true, the husband is the head of the household and we'll discuss that on another class when we talk about the role of the husband and the role of the wife, but he's not there to dominate her. Eve was an equal, created as an equal partner from the rib of Adam, from the side of Adam. She wasn't under his feet to be trampled. She wasn't from his head to rule over him, but she was to be an equal partner, a helper to him. And so he was not to be domineering over her. So there's no dominance uh, in this relationship. There's no independence. There's no, this is mine and I'm going to do what I want to do with mine and you do what you want to do with yours. Nope. We are a team. We are, it's a partnership. We're together. This union only works if we work together as one. We are sharing our lives. All those things that you used to do by yourself, you don't get to do those anymore by yourself. Now, yes, we all need to have some me time, but you shouldn't have more me time than you have we time, right? We're together in this thing. We are sharing this life. We are building this life together. And that's what marriage is about. We're equal partners. So there's no, um, you know, that's not the whole thing of independence. And there are some couples, and I realize that there are some situations where if one of them is dealing with some issues or dealing with a habit that you may have to have a separate bank account just to make sure that household bills are taken care of, if they're having some issues with money, that may be necessary. But if that's not the situation, it shouldn't be, this is my money, I'm going to pay this set of bills. And there are a lot of couples that do that. I've not ever understood it. But this, this is my money that I worked on the job and this is my paycheck and I will agree to pay these bills. And then this is your paycheck and you agreed to pay these bills. That doesn't sound together to me. That sounds separate. Now I would think, and what we chose to do is you bring, everybody brings the money into the house. You put it into a joint account. We pray, we take out our tithe and offering over that. And then we, you know, do our bills. Now, just for the sake of convenience, typically one person will handle the checkbook. But even with that, the other person should always know what's going on. They should at any time that they want to 
pull up the bank account, be able to see what's in there and where it went. And, and I encourage you to do that. You should. You need to know what's going on because God forbid something happened to one. You need to know where everything is and how everything is handled and how everything is paid. And just to know what's going on, you don't need to have those kinds of secrets. Every, you need to be transparent uh, before each other. You need to know to be able to, you know, to see what's in there. So with the law of possession, you know, we are sharing a life. <clears throat> we are doing things together. And I encourage couples to do things together. Sometimes that may be challenging if one of you likes things that the other doesn't like, which typically is going to be the case, right? Because you are two different people. So I didn't know much about the world of science fiction before I got married. I know quite a bit about it now. So we have TV time together. We will switch out. We'll watch uh, something science fiction related. Sometimes I have to sit through a little bit more of the um, action movies when I'm like, I don't want to see another person get shot. <laughs> Are they not all dead yet? <laughs> but I can do that. I can deal with the fast cars. I can deal with the whatever, whatever. And then sometimes he'll have to sit and just watch a comedy with me or a romantic comedy with me or something because I am more geared toward uh, movies where I can see relationships progress. I just like to look at that kind of thing. And so he will, and we will both find that I enjoy some science fiction and he enjoys some romantic comedies. He has a couple of them that he has made us watch over and over and I'm like, okay, I'm done. With that one, we can move on. So we do things together. When he decides he wants to go out and shoot his bow and arrow, I don't always want to go outside, but sometimes he'll be, honey, I want you to come out and watch me shoot. I'm like, okay, I can do that. You know, and there, when I have my things and I'm like, I want you to come and be a part of this, enjoy this moment with me. And so that's what we do as a couple. We are one flesh. And when you think about that, I don't intentionally do anything that's going to cause me pain, right? Most people, when you're in your right mind and functioning clearly, don't do anything that's going to cause your natural body any pain. And when you look at your spouse as an extension of you, then you're not gonna purposely do anything to them that's gonna cause them any pain. Because when they hurt, you hurt. You should hurt because they are one with you. When they're having a problem, it's not their problem, it is your problem. You're a team. You don't let people talk about your teammate. You don't let people disrespect your teammate. You don't go out and disrespect your teammate. If you're having issues at home and you need somebody to sit down and talk to, well then you pray and ask the Lord to show you who you can confide in that's going to help you. But you don't go around bad mouthing your spouse to everybody. I don't ever want to hear about any negative thing about somebody's husband or wife. Why is that? Because, and we had this experience. We had a lady, we've had it more than once. A lady who came and she never had anything good to say about her husband. Now I knew her, I didn't know him. I had a relationship with her, but every time she was around, it was always, oh, and I, I would think, oh my God, this man is terrible. Why would you ever agree to marry him? And, and then I added, I'm like, what is wrong with you? that you would say, have said yes to that. And then when I met him, I realized 
Oh. At first I was upset. I mean, I was like, I wasn't very nice to him because all I have is all this, you know, how he's been and how he is. But then after I'd stopped hearing all of that and I just spent time and got to know him, I realized, oh, he's not the problem. She's the problem. <laughs> I'm not sure why he chose her. And then, so she would want us to, you know, when she started bringing him around, you know, and like him and embrace him, I'm like, why would I like him? All I heard is, you know, is what you said. So you have to think about that. You remember like when, when we would be growing up and you get in a fight with one of your friends and then somebody say all this ugly stuff about him and then you and your friend reconcile and they're like, well, where does that leave me? So you have to be careful of that, be mindful of that. And our spouses can do things to upset us. And sometimes before you catch yourself, you may express that in somebody else's presence. Then you have to say, you know what, I'm sorry, I should not have said that. My husband is a wonderful person. I just was having a bad moment. So please don't, don't judge him by that. Don't judge him by what I've said or, or from this experience. So we have to be mindful that we don't tear our teammate down. We should always, we should not tear them down to them and we should not tear them down around anybody else. As far as I know, Medicine Nelson is the best thing since sliced bread. I shouldn't know anything else. If there are any issues, then you guys come to us and we can sit down, you know, as a family, we can discuss that. But Minister Belinda wouldn't go around telling everybody, I'll, because why? That, that would be tearing down her own flesh. And why would she do that? This is her team. Her job is to build her team up because she is only as successful as her team is. When you, we were at the, um, salon yesterday and uh, they had the World Cup plan and some of the people that was supposed to be working were so involved in that they had to apologize a couple times but there any one of those players were great because they were all I mean if you made it to the World Cup you're all very good players but it wasn't just one of them that could carry um, this it was uh, the soccer they not one of them could win the match it took all of their combined skills to be successful. And for your marriage to be successful, it's going to take all of your combined skills because you have an adversary coming at you in different ways, in different people. Like I say, you're going to have some women who actively pursue married men and you have women who actively pursue men in the ministry. So Minister Nelson, you have to be prepared because you've got people who are looking for married preachers. It is a challenge to them. And as women, we have to be prepared for that because generally men are clueless when a woman is throwing herself at them. Y'all just clueless, Stan. You just don't see it. You just, you just like, what? You just don't, and, and, you, and as, a, as a wife, you have to realize, oh my gosh, he just, and you have to step in and be like, I'm right here. So, you know, we have to be mindful of that. And as women, we have to be careful as married women how we present ourselves to the world because it is very difficult to find clothing uh, as a woman that is not look like you got your things available. Available for purchase is what you look like. Everything is either low cut or too short or too tight, just very revealing because that is what the way of the world is. Women put it all on display. And to me, I'm like, if it's on display, I should be able to touch it if I want to. 
I should be able to take it home if I want to. It's on display, it's available. And so we have to be mindful of that because men are turned on by sight, that we don't make ourselves look like we're available. Now the challenge for that is that you still want to look attractive for your husband. You don't want to walk around in a potato sack, not when everybody else is, you know, cut low and popping out. You know, <laughs> you want him to remember you got that at home. You may not see it out on the street, but you got it at home. So you have to be creative about that, but we have to be mindful of everything that is around there. So there are enemies coming at us at every turn. Marriage is just extremely under attack. You have not as many people that are getting married. They're just choosing to live together because they've seen marriage play out in such a bad way. They haven't seen good examples. Uh, and Christian marriages have been no exception. And so we have to work hard because we're supposed to be our marriage, a Christian marriage, should be an example to the world of the relationship between Christ and the church. And it hasn't been. And so we have to make sure that it is. It is another way for us to be a witness uh, of the gospel. And so we have to be careful about that. So it is a shared life thing. We need to share our lives together. There should not be secrets between husbands and wife. If it is, I don't want him to know what I got him for his birthday, that's one thing. But if it is, who is that texting you? Oh, don't worry about that. Oh no, that's a problem. You should be able to pick up their phone. My husband, I could pick up his phone and he's got password protected stuff on there, but he never has anything on there that he hasn't shown me. Like I know his whatever code to get into his phone. And we had an incident where there was something going on and I had to tell somebody, well, if you don't want him to know, then you don't need to text me because at my house, when there's a text message come in, whoever's closest to the phone, I'm like, could you pick that up and see what that's about? Could you, the phone is ringing. Can you answer them and see what they want? So we have that. Now, because of our professions, there are sometimes when he counsels people that I don't need to be a part of that. And that information is between him and them. That's different. That's a counseling session. And it's not ever between him and a woman. It may be between him and some uh, and a guy that needs some counseling, another pastor, or you know somebody else that he's one of his prayer partners or whatever. That's a different situation. And I know that if I needed to know that information, you know, he could tell me as much as possible without betraying their confidences. But we don't generally have secrets. And if I, on the odd chance, chooses to be someone's attorney, then there's information in those consultations that I'm not at liberty to share with him, but he, you know, whatever general information that I can share, you know, we do. So because of the nature of our professions, there has to be some things that we don't share, but that is not just the general, I have a secret bank account that he doesn't know about. I've got a, you know, set of friends that I go with and we don't, there's no what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. There's none of that. So if you have any of that going on, you need to get that worked out. And the final one is the law of purity. And it ties in a little bit um, with the bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Purity, they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. You and your husband, physically, yep, they were naked, but they were also completely transparent with each other. 
And that is how we should be as husbands and wives. We should be able to stand before each other and show our weaknesses and show our vulnerabilities and not be afraid that they're going to take advantage of that. Uh, your spouse is the one person that you should be able to be completely honest and open with and know that they are a safe place. Uh, I can share with you, I can give you these experiences, I can tell you things that happened in my past, I can tell you some things that I'm struggling with right now in my present, I can tell you the fears that I have for my future, and I know that you are going to be there for me, you're going to cover me in prayer, you're not going to just be listening, waiting, oh, I can't wait to tell so-and-so. When we have an argument, you're not gonna bring that stuff back up against me. It's not gonna be that way. I can be completely vulnerable uh, with you and know that I am safe. And that is how it should be. Um, because what happened with Adam and Eve is after sin entered in, they covered themselves with fig leaves and they covered their genitals. The things that made them different from each other, the things that were sensitive is what they covered. Uh, and so we shouldn't be that way. You shouldn't have any areas uh, in your life that you cannot freely share with your spouse. That is another way that they are a helper just right for you because we weren't built to go through this life alone. And we shouldn't have to carry burdens by ourselves. And sometimes we need somebody who can physically help us carry things to lay them at the altar. And your spouse is that person that can do that for you. You shouldn't have a friend that you can confide in more than you confide in your spouse. They should be your best friend. Um, and when you get married, sometimes you lose friendships because if they're a single person, they may not know how to adjust. Uh, I had a situation like that because I got married, I was still in college, so I had a best girlfriend at the time and she could not make the transition from, she was the person that I went everywhere with, that I told everything to. Uh, amazingly enough, her and Pastor Stroud had the same birthday, so she really felt like she was being replaced. Um, but she didn't, couldn't understand that now I have to give, or I choose to give more of my time and attention to him. There's still a place for you, but that first position, you're no longer in there. And so sometimes you will lose friendships because, especially if they are still single, they're not able to make that adjustment. And so, you know, you pray that you can, and we were able to transition a little bit, some of that, but, you know, life takes you in different directions. And so he is my best friend. I don't have a friend closer to me than he, you ain't know that, dear, he's looking. Um, that, uh, and I am his best friend. So, you know, you have those inside jokes, you know, the looks across the room that you, know, you can just look at them and that can, you know, say the whole thing. You, you can say sentences and they know where you are. You should be on the same page uh, with each other. So if you're having some communication issues, you may need to look at that. Are there some walls that have gone up between you? And one thing I encourage couples to do, if you are having some issues and you haven't been able to freely or don't feel like you can freely discuss some things, one thing, a trick you can do is sit in a room, you can turn the lights off completely or you can dim them, sit back to back. That way you don't have to look at facial expressions and you don't have to be guarded over your facial expressions. Because sometimes when people have to hit you with some news, 
it may shake you for a minute before you're able to regroup and then, you know, really be there for them. So sit in a room back to back, you know, turn the lights down and just say, okay, we're going to be open and honest with some things. And it may be hard, but it's going to be worth it. And give them an opportunity to react and respond. And sometimes we have to be careful about that, but we should be free to be able to do that uh, and be open with each other. So if you feel like you have some things that you haven't been able to share, that is a good way that you can share them uh, in a way that's kind of non-threatening. And then sometimes if you need, you know, a a mediator, third person in the room to kind of help because the differences with men and women, sometimes we say things Uh, but they hear something else. And I've shared, I think, with you all before about that. Um, We've had situations like that. Pastor Stroud came in one day. He was talking about, I was talking about something with some clothes. This was years ago. And I was saying something about uh, not having something that was nice or something I wanted to wear. And I was just, you know, generally saying, because sometimes you just get put out with, you know, what you got in your closet. Well, what he heard was, that I didn't think he was a good enough provider, that he was bringing in enough money that I could go and buy nice things. That was furthest from my mind. I simply meant I'd put on some weight and a dress didn't fit and I didn't have anything pretty that did. But that's not what he heard. Um, And in the same situation, he came in one day and he made a comment about something in the house that wasn't just right. And what I heard was, that you are a terrible housekeeper and homemaker and you really need to get your act together. Now he didn't, and once, but I, and I didn't tell him that's what I heard. I just acted accordingly. You know how when all of a sudden the room gets cold (laughs) and you're like, what is up with them? That's a tip that they have heard something that you may or may not have said. And so you have to be able to openly share with each other. Now, For the next few minutes, we're going to talk about some things that can cause cracks or chips in our foundation. Now, if we, of course, don't have these four pillars together, we're in trouble. But one thing um, that can chip away at our foundation is unresolved issues. You have hurt each other in the past because we all have. You've said something you shouldn't have said. You've done something you shouldn't have done. And time just kind of went by and you didn't work that thing out. And so now you have unresolved issues. And when you have those unresolved issues, you start to put walls up. You may not always know that that that's what you're doing, but you start to put walls up and the intimacy between you suffers. Now, intimacy, that's not just sex. I mean, because there are plenty of people that can meet somebody clearly based on the way the world is today, meet somebody in the club, do the do with them in the bathroom and then go home. There is no intimacy there. So intimacy has to do with more than just that. That's that close familiarity between you. Nobody knows your partner, your spouse, the way you do uh, because you've spent time with them. You've had experiences with them. You've shared things with them. You are intimate with each other. When you have unresolved issues, it starts to eat away at that intimacy. Uh, They don't open up to you. You don't open up to them. They don't share their life, their dreams and goals. They don't share their fears with you, all of that. And you aren't as close. Usually women are a little bit more sensitive to that 
than men. They can sort of feel when things are going on and you're starting to slip away uh, because we are nurturers. That's what we do. So we tend to be a little bit more tuned in to relationship matters. Uh, and I've had that in my house and I can be like, whoa, something's, something's not right here. What's, what's going on? And then it's time to stop. Whatever's going on, whatever work is do going on, whatever, all of this crazy that's going on and realize we haven't spent enough time together. We need to just spend some time together, just us. It doesn't have to be an elaborate getaway, but if you have small kids, it's time to call in some favors for a babysitter and it's time to sit there together and be with one another. Now that is not, we're watching TV together, and there's a time for that. TV time is, is good. We plan a game together, watching a sporting event together, whatever, but sometimes you just need to be together. Um, you need to sit down, you need to have some eye contact, and you need to have some conversation. No cell phones, no whatever, nobody else. This is us, we need to reconnect because there's something here that is going on. We are, we are drifting apart. And if you aren't careful and catch that thing early, we all have a need to share those things with people. And if you're not sharing them with your spouse, you're sharing them with someone else. And that is how, unfortunately, most affairs start. It started out with somebody who was just willing to listen to you. Uh, and uh, for men, a lot of times it start out because somebody, some woman complimented you. So we have to be careful, ladies, that we always compliment our husbands. They should never hear anything from another woman that they haven't heard from us. And men, your wives should not feel more comfortable sharing with someone else than she is with you. You may not care about the fact that she saw this new washing machine, that you can put 10 pair of jeans in there at one time, but oh my God, if you have to do laundry, that is a big deal. <laughs> and you may wanna just tune in to her to hear about that because there are other men who may try to pursue your wife who will woo her. They don't care about the difference between a whirlpool and a Maytag either, but if they think that will get them in with her, they will sit and listen. So you better make sure you sit and listen uh, between the differences between liquid fabric softener and a dryer sheet. You don't want to know that because it's important to her, right? So we have to make sure that we do those things. And when we see that there is a problem with the intimacy, when there are some walls, be, be mindful, be sensitive to those things. You know, just a little check-in. And you can do that every day, a little check-in. We good? You need to talk about anything? No? Just some, you know, look them in the eyes. Just for a couple minutes a day. Look them in the eye and just have some quiet time where you are just focused on each other and the rest of the world doesn't matter. Because remember, if your team is not strong, then you are not gonna be at your best to do what you need to do. Your helper is just right for you. Communication is definitely a must. You have to, uh, and communication is not just talking, uh, but it is also listening. And not listening just to respond, but listening to understand. You're going to have different points of view because remember before you were married, you were two individual people and you had a certain way of doing things. Now most of us, when we do things a certain way, we figure we do it this way because it's the best way. 
And so I've been doing it this way forever how long, and I think this is the absolute best way to do it. Well, guess what? They've been doing that a different way, and they think it's the absolute best way to do it. And so you have to be able to hear each other's point of view. Look at it from my side. Don't be one of those people who, in a conversation, you're listening like double dutch. You're just waiting to jump in, to get your turn, to say what you have to say. No, that's not what you're doing. You are listening because you sincerely want to hear them and you want to understand what it is they're saying. That creates a different atmosphere altogether and it makes it easier to open up when you know that the other person is not sitting there judging you or trying to get their witty response ready, but they are just listening because they really want to hear what you have to say and they want to understand what it is you're talking about. The other side of that is saying what you want to say. Don't assume I understood or I read your mind or I should know. Uh, there was one TV show that we were walking, uh, watching and the couple was going through counseling and their counselor told them to speak their truth, which just sounds hilarious in the episode that, of the show. But that's what they had to do. Whenever something happened uh, that was offensive to them, they were supposed to speak their truth. This is what I perceive is going on at this moment. This is how I felt when I was in the middle of a conversation with you and you stopped and took a call on your cell phone. You may not have meant it to be anything. It could have been a call you were waiting on all day, but this is what that made me feel like when that happened. Sometimes we don't say, do we? We just get offended and we walk away and walls come up, but that's not allowed. Get offended, sure, but then you need to say, I was offended when this happened and give them an opportunity to address that, to either you know, let you know, I'm sorry, I was not aware that that is what happened. I will correct that behavior. I won't do that again. Or they can express to you and that way you can leave that offense at the altar and you can move forward as a team, as a couple. But if you never say what has hurt you or what has offended you, you're not giving the other person an opportunity to respond to that. And that is unfair to them. So when there's something going on, you need to speak your truth. Now you need to, you know, of course, be open to hear them. And sometimes, you know, when we speak out of our hurt, we may, you know, when you're hurt, you, you know, you say things in a different way and it may be sharp and it may be however, but as the person that's hearing it, you need to be aware and be able to recognize when your partner is being vindictive or if they're just hurt and be able to deal with it accordingly. But you always have to speak what's going on and then listen to understand and not to respond. And that is one way to keep those walls from growing, from going up uh, that can be cracks um, in our foundation. So we wanna make sure that, also another thing that can cause cracks uh, in our foundation is a lack of vision. You don't have any goals. Uh, think about, remember Eve was a helper just right for Adam. But you can't help somebody that ain't doing nothing. So you just gotta. And there's just no other way to put that. So men, you got to have some goals. You know, you ask the Lord for a wife, for a helper. Well, what do you want her to help you do? You need to have some goals. You need to ask the Lord, what is my purpose? What, where is the garden that I'm supposed to be tending? 
Where are the animals that I should be naming? I should be giving purpose to something. I should be doing something. What is that? Because you've got this helper over here. She needs to be doing something. And if you don't have something for her to help you with, well, then she's just going to do something else. And you're going to think, she's not supporting me, supporting me. Well, what's she supposed to be supporting you in? You haven't told her anything. So you need to make sure that you get those instructions from the Lord and that you share them with her. Visions, not only for your, um, maybe on your job, if you're in ministry, vision for your ministry, definitely vision for your family. You should have visions for your household. What do you want this household to look like? What do we want to do as a family? Where do we want to go? What do we want to accomplish? And then you can have regular checkups to see how are we going. Think about when our kids are little, they're supposed to go to the doctor once a year. And when they go once a year, they check their weight to see if they're gaining weight well. They check their height to see if they're on target for that. When they're little, they check their head circumference, I think, <laughs> to see if all that's growing. And they ask you, what have they been eating? What kind of activity are they doing? How are their social skills? Because they want to see if everything is progressing as it should. And the only way they can do that is that they know what a child at this age should look like. Right? They have a vision and they see where your child compares to that vision and they put them in those percentiles. Well, if you don't have a vision, this is what our family should look like, then you don't know when it's gone off the rails until it's too late. So you need to have a vision, something to look at. Um, and you can, you know, physically write it down and put it on the wall or do something so that you will know at different checkpoints, whether or not things are going as they should. And then you won't have this thing where you wake up one day to look over at your spouse's side, or you come home from work one day to realize your spouse has cleaned out their closet and gone, and taken the bank account, and they're gone. And you're like, well, what happened? I didn't even know we were having any problems. You missed all kind of signs by then, and we don't want that to happen. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Remember, if you would like to hear today's message in its entirety or hear the entire series, just go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org. That's kingdomrock.org. You can also subscribe to our podcast and get it on the go. And if you have a Roku device, make sure you search for Kingdom Rock TV. In there, you will find this program and so much more. We would also love to see you in a live service. Just go to our website to get the details at www.kingdomrock.org. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.